Historically, the occupation of fine art has been an elitist type of endeavor. You have to realize that back prior to the 20th century and even during the early 20th century, a lot of people were sort of uh, weren't given the opportunity to uh, become artists, obviously women for one example. And one point I want to make is that the painting a day movement, and when you look at it at surface value, basically it denotes making a painting a day, but when you look at the connotation, what does it really suggest? It's really, it's, uh, it's a non-elitist movement that has liberated the artist and allows uh, all different people to participate in a artistic endeavor. And another aspect of this movement to really think about is the idea, what is the art? Is it the digital facsimile that's on the internet? Is that the art? Or is it the piece that you created in your studio? And the more I think about it, it really becomes both. Because when you think about it, we've looked at art and textbooks for a long time it's just a way of, it becomes like a stand-in for the original piece. And there, there is a lot of debate regarding copyright infringement, like people going online and taking someone else's image and using it for, those, for their own image. That's happened to me several times with artists in South Africa. And then the idea of color correcting your piece, or using Photoshop to like blur an edge. And I'm, I'm sure that does happen. There's no way of stopping it. But when you think about it, it, right now at this point in history, in terms of what's happening with digital art, we have people in animation who are working totally in digital form in Maya or Adobe Illustrator, and that's the same thing. So you're, you're taking a painting, you're manipulating it, you're making a color copy. So in the end, whatever you present, so be it, that's the art. In terms of the marketing aspect, from what I've heard with the artists that use it as a more or less a means to market their art, the people who collect their art undoubtedly like the, the piece in person a lot more. So rule of thumb, whatever you see on the internet, it's always going to look better in person. And I had someone say that to me today about this painting of these pools. You can only get, you can only experience a painting to a certain extent on the internet. You sort of have to envision in your mind what the texture's like. But when you're in front of a painting or any other art form, it's a lot different to you know, see it in person and you get more of a, a, a visceral experience, a, tact a tactile experience of peace. But yeah, there is a lot of debate about that. Will this movement put an end to postmodernism? Pretty much all art forms after 1970 are post part of the postmodern era. Before 1970, it's modernism. Will painting a day put an end to postmodernism? No. Painting a day is postmodernism. It's an extension of postmodernism. If you think about it, and take, a, take a trip to any contemporary art museum, like in London or New York, and it's all of this cutting edge multimedia type artwork. Obviously, video is huge, installation is huge. In terms of what's what's the biggest, what's the most cutting edge medium? It's it's video, it's film. Film's it. So painting a day, it's another way to look at it. It's it's just another application of digital art. It's taking a bit of history and deconstructing it and recomposing it online.
just like a lot of our rap singers do. Their, their, their lyrics are all appropriated from different points in history, and they bring it together and put a new twist on it. So the internet has just put a new twist on what painting is and what painting can potentially be. And there's a lot of that going on with multimedia type art. Looking at postmodernism a little bit deeper, I mean, postmodernism is a really broad term, obviously, that applies to all different art forms. To get more specific, right now we're in the midst of what's called pluralism. Pluralism. It's instead of singularism, like during the first part of the 20th century, you had Prussianism, you had Cubism, and everybody all around the world tried to do it. Now it's pluralism. People can do their own thing, and you see that happening globally. There's many different movements. The art world is huge. So this, this online anomaly, a lot of people like to call it that, they call it anomaly. It's part of artists, people just embracing their freedom to work on their own. It's part of that pluralism. And an artist now can be, an artist I recently spoke to used the term singularization. You can become totally singular. And this is happening. Artists can exist in their own little world and totally impact the entire globe. In their studio, with their computer, they can, this is happening, write about their work and have people collect it globally, have articles and publications authored globally, printed globally, get on to online podcasts and speak about their work globally and basically have a, a big impact on society on their own. We're obviously during pre-1980, going back to 1950, during the era of like Clemma Greenberg, unless you were in, you had no way to be part of the institution of contemporary art. And that still does happen in a lot of graduate schools today. A lot of young students uh, are duped into believing that the only way to really have a career and impact people, because obviously that's the goal of contemporary art, is to help people see the world in a different way. They think that they have to be in a gallery to do that. Follow the conventional career. That's not the case. And so I, I, when I first joined this movement back in 2000, it's about 2006, I saw it as anti-establishment now I see it as the new emerging establishment. It's a new emerging establishment.